The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 8th chapter. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said this all quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowds with the disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Now I've got to tell you something this morning that's a little hard for me to say. Um, so I'll, you know, I, no time like the present, so here goes. I was, I was, you can do this, you can do this. I was wrong. There, I said it. I was wrong. I admit it. It was back in 2006. Um, you may want to write that down. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, 2006, I was wrong, and I fully admit it. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, like I said, it doesn't happen very often. You can ask my wife and, and, and kids. They'll agree with you. I'm never wrong. Okay? But back in 2006, well, let me give you a little bit of history. Okay? In order to be a Lutheran pastor, as most of you know, you have to go to seminary, which for most folks means a four-year master's degree after college. And while you're in seminary, it's really important because you learn about scripture, you learn theology, you learn preaching and teaching and, and pastoral care, you learn all of these things. And there is, you know, so when you graduate, theoretically, you're prepared to go and lead a congregation to ministry. But there is sort of the downside, and close your ears for this, Brandy. Um, there is the downside of seminary because, you see, unlike some subjects like math, math, 2 plus 2 always equals 4, right? I mean, now some mathematicians are going to go, well, technically, no, it's always 4. 2 plus 2 is always 4. And so there are certain texts and, and, and certain subjects where the answer is always the right answer. Well, when you're dealing with the Bible and theology, well, it's not always the case. I mean, when I prepare a sermon or a Bible study, I have these books called commentaries, and what each of these commentaries do, they, they talk about the meaning of the text. And so they're books on, the book, on a book of the Bible. But the problem is, you can take two or three commentaries and they will disagree with each other all over the place. So who's right? Well, when you're in seminary, it's your professors. <laughs> That's who's right. 
And, and you come to believe what, what they tell you because they have all the information and it, it's not just coming out of thin air. They have all the facts and figures to back it up. And so then they send you out into the church with all of these truths where you find out that some of the truths you learn might have been just their opinion. Now granted, these are very, very intelligent men and women, but still... When their opinion becomes my opinion, or what I think is the truth, sometimes when I'm among God's faithful people, I find out that eh, may not be the case. For example, when I came out of seminary knowing everything, I knew that when you lit the candles, that the right one had to be lit before the left one. But as it turns out, that if the left one's lit first... Um, worship still happens. The church does not open up and, and, and you know, swallow into a, a deep hole. Um, God does not. I don't think anybody's getting condemned to hell, let's just say, for right, lighting the left candle first. Oh, and another big one we learned. The church is not a business. But it'll go bankrupt like one if you don't learn some business stuff. And so I went in, the church is not like a business. <laughs> And I found out real quick that maybe, just maybe, you might want to learn some business stuff. But the big one, the one where I was wrong in 2006, was this. Now, not only did I learn this in seminary, I grew up in a very traditional Lutheran family. And so I came out of seminary, and I went through the first six years of my ministry totally believing that contemporary worship was a contradiction in terms and that it was not real worship at all. And when I'm talking about contemporary worship, I'm talking about, you know, things like screens in worship or, or not using an organ and, and having guitar and drums and, and bass. And, and a, a sermon is meant to be preached in the pulpit every single time. And you follow the assigned readings and you have to wear robes and you, you have to dress this way and act this way and talk this way. And these things have to be there and those things can't be there. Because if you're not... That's not real worship, and it certainly ain't Lutheran worship. And I not only believed that, I preached it. Because that's the way it was. That was a fact. That was a truth. And then I took a call to Pilgrim Lutheran Church here in Lexington that had just started a contemporary service. And they had screens, and they had a band, and they didn't have organ. And not only did I not wear robes, I didn't even wear a clerical collar. And preaching from the pulpit, well, that was kind of a no-no. And there was no lectionary to follow. We basically could pick whatever we wanted to preach that week. And so it was extremely different. It was the, I was doing the very thing that I had said was not worship at all. And before long, I realized something. I was wrong. Because it was very much worship. Because the people in the pews... They would leave feeling that they had praised God. They would leave feeling inspired and encouraged. And so did I. And not only that, where people gather in the name of God, it's not just entertainment. It's actually the work of God. And as Lutherans, it's where Lutheran theology is proclaimed that makes it Lutheran. It's not the robes or the candles or any of that. It's Lutheran theology. And I learned that contemporary worship is great for some people 
And it's great in certain places. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not an advertisement for changing the worship style here. But what I'm saying is, I was wrong. You heard it here first. What about you? Bet you're never wrong either, huh? I mean, it's tough for us to say it. So I'm going to give you a chance. All right? On three, I want you to repeat after me. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> Deborah just said, you were wrong. Uh, And maybe it's a little easier for us to say it in here when you have directions, but in real life, that's tough for us to admit, isn't it? I mean, look, folks, 100% of our arguments are because we think we're right. If you're arguing and you don't think you're right, you're arguing just for the sake of making somebody mad. I mean, the whole argument is this. You think you're right, they think they're right. And that's the disagreement. And guess what, folks? Most of the time, both of you ain't right. Which means somebody's got to be wrong. Which in my marriage usually means it's me. But the reality is, it might, it might be you. Because sometimes we're all wrong. And in the world that we currently live in, it's become even more difficult for us to admit that. The division that we have going on in society today is all about our opinions, not just being our opinions, it goes deeper than that. They have become our beliefs, right? And a belief is more than just an opinion. Belief is the truth. Belief is a fact. And so when we talk about politics, those aren't our opinions, those are our beliefs. And when we talk about whether or not we wear masks or get vaccinated or socially distance, Those aren't opinions. Those are facts. And whenever we talk about whether or not we, how we should do this or how we should do that, things have become so ingrained in us that we can't see the, the possibility of another answer. Because we're right. And they're evil. See, we can't agree to disagree anymore. It's not even right and wrong. It's I'm right, you're evil. Because if you don't think the way I think, if you don't act the way I act, if you don't look the way I look, well, then there's something wrong with you. And that's our problem. We have come, become so entrenched in what we think has to be right that we've turned away from other people. This is nothing new. I mean, that's kind of what we're hearing in today's gospel reading. What, what you just missed, as our, our gospel reading picked up sort of in the middle of a story, a story that you're pretty familiar with, Peter had just said, well, Jesus said, who do the people say that I am? And they said, the disciples said, some said John the Baptist, some say Elijah. But who do you say that I am? They were all quiet, but Peter being Peter steps up. He goes, you are the Messiah. And ding, 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 right answer, Peter, tell him what he's won, you know? And then, right after that, Jesus begins to tell them what's going to happen to this Messiah. And that's where our gospel reading picks up. That the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be handed over to the chief priests and to the scribes and, and, and be killed and on the third day rise again. 
Well, now Peter, still feeling pretty good about himself, takes Jesus aside and says, "Mm -mm, that ain't what it means to be the Messiah. That's not how this is going to play out. And so Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. For you've got your mind set on human things, not on God things. Now see, realize this. Peter was not just giving his opinion on this. He was speaking on his beliefs. Because what Jews believed was that the Messiah was a conquering hero. A Messiah was going to come in and free them from Roman oppression. A Messiah was the messenger of God, was God himself that would come and save them. And the way he would save them is by winning. Not by being mocked, beaten, and killed. That wasn't Peter's opinion. That was Peter's belief. And Peter just knew he was right. And so he was even right in the face of God. I mean, that takes a lot of nerve to think that we're more right than God. But we do it all the time, don't we? And then Jesus, after he rebukes Peter, goes on to turn to the crowds and says, If any want to, want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Now, in that statement, we typically focus on the last part, taking up your cross and following, right? I mean, let's be honest, not too many people are crucified these days. So, you know, yes, we'll take up our cross and we'll follow Jesus. And we skip right over the first part. Because the first part is the part that's tough. That we are to deny ourselves. And then we even sort of redefine that. Because denying ourselves, well, we got to make sacrifices, you know? Time, talent, treasure. That's the way churches always talk about sacrifice. You give your time, you give your money, you give some of yourself, and that's denying yourself. Well, yeah. And it also means that denying that your thoughts and your opinions are the only right thoughts and opinions. It's actually looking for God's truth as opposed to your opinion. And that, my friends, is denying ourselves. And that is some of the most difficult things that we will ever do. I mean, the world is set up to feed these things. You know, I mean, a lot of us are on social media, right? I watched a documentary recently that that actually had some of the developers... Did you know that the social media that we use, the algorithms or whatever they are, that, that, that choose what you see on your page are based on what you think and believe? In other words, if you're more conservative, then the news posts that you see, the opinions that you see, by and large are going to agree with you. Which means that you get all of the ammo that you need and you can't understand how anybody could possibly think anything else. And then if you're on the liberal side, the same thing happens. All you're seeing is the other side's, uh, your own side's opinions, your own side's thoughts. And so you get all of this ammo and you can't understand how anybody could possibly think the other way. And so we arm ourselves with our beliefs and then we go at it head to head because we can't understand how anybody else could think that way. Because it's our truth and not God's truth. 
So what do we do? Well, my friends, the first thing we need to do is we need to listen. Whatever it is, when all of us have certain strong thoughts and opinions on something that other people disagree with. We need to listen to the opposition. We need to listen to what other people are saying. And, and hear them. And I don't mean listen so that we can argue with them. Listen to them. That doesn't mean admitting that they're right. Listen to them. And number two, learn. Learn what they're saying. And learn, more importantly, why they're saying it. What background information do they have? What do they have to back it up? But also, what in their life makes them feel that way? Why do they have this opinion? Because let's be honest, we can't understand why some people think the way they think because we didn't grow up like they grew up. But if we try to understand them, if we learn from them, well then maybe even though we disagree with them, we're okay with this and agree, disagreeing with them. And the last and primary step is to love. And there's two parts to love. First of all, love the people that disagree with you. No matter what they're disagreeing with you about. Love the people that disagree with you no matter what they're disagreeing with you about. Because again, there is a why, you know? And they may be flat out wrong. I mean, the world may say they're flat out wrong, but as Christians, we are still called to love them. And the second part of that is this. When it comes to love, if your opinion doesn't match up with God's law to love, then that's your opinion and not God's truth. If it doesn't match up with love, it's your opinion and not God's truth. Because God's truth is always founded in love. And as followers of Christ, picking up our cross means loving people that it may be hard to love. Loving things that may be difficult to love. It means showing love even when it doesn't agree with our thoughts, our beliefs, our opinions, and our politics. That's what it means to deny ourselves. It's coming face to the face with the reality that we ain't always right. I think most of us can agree that no matter what, there needs to be some change in the world. And imagine what it would look like if we all listened and learned and loved. So this week, try that. Think about something that you and someone else or you and a whole bunch of people disagree on. And try it out. Listen, learn, love. That's the first step in changing your home, your church, your community. And that's our first step in changing the world. Amen.